0: This is Jeremy from the Nerd Out Loud podcast, and I pay money to Patreon every month just to help alleviate the guilt I feel from not listening to I Doubt It with Dolomore. And Brittany, we're worried about you. Blink twice if you're being held against your will. We're here to help.
1: The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dolomore. All right, welcome to the show. I Doubt It with Dolomore, this 233rd episode of the trusty program. I am your host, Jesse Dallimore, and sitting across from me, the woman who loves when we start the show at 11.30 p.m., Brittany Page.
2: Well, listen, I'm very tired, so <laughs> I'm going to try to get with the program. But really, I wish I was doing this while laying in bed.
1: Yeah, that would be, a,
2: I, just had to, I think,
1: impossible.
2: Yeah, rip myself from bed, get out of the bed. <laughs> but I started a new job on top of all my other responsibilities and so i'm a sleepy sleepy lady right now
1: a sleepy sleepy lady Mm
3: -hmm.
1: all right (laughs) well before we get started i want to talk about something over the course of the last two and a half years that we've been doing this show we started march 11th 2014
2: thank people's stomachs are in knots right now waiting for what you're about to say because it's starting like a very negative kind of what's what's coming, what's happening. Huh. Yeah.
1: Well, I now I wish I had the old drum roll that we used to do all the time. And by we, I mean me. Well, over the course of those, the, the last 200, it's actually like 250 episodes if you count bonus content and all that. So over the course of the 200 plus episodes we've done, Brittany and I have never taken off a full week. No. There have been times where we've skipped a episode Mm -hmm. and then continued the next. So there's never been a full week. You know, normal, normal shows of our type, podcasts, they are once weekly. Well, we're twice weekly. If we were once weekly and we skipped, that's skipping a whole week. We've never done that. Right. Am I getting that? How many times must I say it before I think that I've communicated it?
2: You know, I think the audience is pretty (laughs) smart. I think they're getting it.
1: Well, we are actually going to take a little vacation. Yes. From the 26th until August 2nd, we will be out of town and away from the two golden microphones that rest precariously in front of our mouths right now.
2: Now, what does that mean specifically for you? Well, it means that you won't have an episode on Thursday the 28th or Sunday, or I guess Monday, sorry, that's when we record, Monday, August 1st.
1: That's right. So I guess we're just telling you So you can get your ducks in a row, and you won't. We will not be causing you any post-traumatic stress disorder, any issues related to the loss of a close friend. Right. We'll be back, and you'll see us again before we leave. Yeah. I'm just, you know, I'm I'm setting the stage. Yeah. Brittany Page.
2: Well, last time we took a vacation, we attempted to bring along the recording equipment with us. (laughs) Uh, attempted I guess we did achieve that we and did a show yeah but it wasn't great for us and it wasn't a very good time because uh, we were carrying around the mics and well we
1: were going to try to do it <laughs> fucking poolside yeah th- it and then just, that's didn't just work out. a freak show because you've got all the kids you know being all stupid and having a good time and <laughs> you know celebrating their summer
2: yeah it's yeah disturbing <laughs> So we're deciding not to do that and to actually take a break. So that's what we'll be doing. And I hope that you guys will forgive us for those two episodes that we'll we'll be missing.
1: we will likely still be posting to the Facebook page. We will likely still be posting to Twitter. We would still invite you to call 657-464-7609. Leave a fewer than three-minute voicemail. And we will get back to him when we get back. You can also email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at Also, while we're gone, go to iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play and review the show that you love so much. If, if you're one of our loyal listeners, hell, even if you're a casual listener, not super loyal, and you haven't reviewed us, well, what do we got to do? What do I got to do to get this deal done? You know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> my jokes are, are landing very abruptly on their face. <laughs> on the you need to help me out. Okay. Whatever you're intently reading over there while I'm I, over here trying to carry the show on my you know, broad shoulders. You know,
2: I know what you are suggesting. And no, I am not currently in a Facebook debate.
1: God damn it. You are, aren't you? No, I'm not. Lay off
2: for the next hour. I have one a Bruin right now. It's getting ready to take (laughs) off. Don't you worry.
1: All right. Well, listen. Things do not seem to be getting better on certain fronts in this country. Uh, Speaking of Facebook arguments and situations on Twitter, I have had several discussions with people. Against my better judgment, especially on Twitter, because that is not <laughs> that's just not the format to have an actual discussion no. about important issues like Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Well, this had just happened tonight so the show we had had all planned and ready to go is being altered but it, it flows right with what I had planned. Another shooting of another un armed black man this time good news is he's alive in miami
4: New video into the cbs4 newsroom shows the moments before and after north miami police shot a man on monday his attorney says he did not have a weapon on him cbs4's aralia ortega joins us live from jackson memorial aralia Ruta Bay. That man's attorney says his client had nothing in his hands when he was shot by police. In fact, that man had his hands up in the air as he tried to explain to police that the man he was with was autistic and he had a toy truck in his hands, as you're about to see. CELL PHONE VIDEO CAPTURES A PORTION OF THE VERBAL EXCHANGE BETWEEN AN ASSISTED LIVING FACILITY EMPLOYEE AND NORTH MIAMI POLICE MOMENTS BEFORE THE MAN IS SHOT MONDAY AFTERNOON. CHARLES KINSEY IS SEEN ON THE GROUND WITH HIS HANDS IN THE AIR. HE SAYS THE MAN NEXT TO HIM WITH HIS LEGS CROSSED WITH A WHITE TRUCK IN HIS HAND IS AN AUTISTIC MAN KINSEY CARES FOR AT A GROUP HOME NEARBY. AS KINSEY TRIES TO EXPLAIN THAT TO POLICE, HE ALSO TRIES TO CALM DOWN THE AUTISTIC PATIENT.
5: THERE IS NO JUSTIFICATION TO to a man who's laying on his back and telling you that he's unarmed.
4: A CBS4 News viewer sent us this picture of officers with their weapons drawn in the area of Northeast 127th Street and 14th Avenue. According to North Miami police, officers were dispatched to reports of an armed male suspect threatening suicide. At some point during the on-scene negotiations, an officer discharges his weapon striking Kinsey. He was transported to Ryder Trauma Center with a gunshot wound to his leg.
5: We want justice to be served.
4: The Circle of Brotherhood, an organization Kinsey belongs to, held a news conference in front of the North Miami Police Department as they and Kinsey's lawyer demand answers.
3: There
5: was no gun. There was a toy truck that was found on the scene.
4: And North Miami Police say the officer who is not being identified is on administrative leave. They are asking for your help in the case, so if you have any pictures, any video, any information, give them a call. The state attorney's office is also investigating. Reporting live from Jackson Memorial Hospital, O'Reilly Ortega, CBS 4 News tonight.
2: Someone sent this to me earlier today, and I just don't know what to say at this point. Like, it's getting to the point where I'm just not sure what to say anymore.
1: Yeah. Well, also, the man for whom this black man cared appears to me to be a white guy. Mm -hmm. So, if the white guy who's sitting up Indian-style... playing around with the truck because he's developmentally disabled he has autism it appears appears it's so severe he's farther along on the autism spectrum i'm no fucking expert but why didn't they shoot that guy he seemed to be posing more of a threat not obeying officer's commands playing with the toy truck he's a large man too he's not like a little boy he he was he seemed to me to be more of a threat if you don't know the situation than the black man who's laying on his back practically spread eagle with his hands up in the air the black man gets shot the non-black man gets to continue sitting up indian style playing with a toy truck
2: Well, and not only that, after he was shot, they approached him, flipped him over, and put him in handcuffs, and then he asked them, he said, you know, why did you shoot me? And the cop responded, I don't know. Okay, well, you should know why you shot somebody. Right. There there should be some sort of reason behind you choosing to do that. And it should be, you thought they were going to kill you.
1: Right. I saw a gun.
2: Right. I saw
1: your gun.
2: Yeah, you were pointing the gun at me. Right. Or you were in the process of bringing it up, pointing it at me. Right? Yeah. Something like that. Not, oh, I don't know.
1: No, oh, eh. You know what? You, you need to just comply. You need to just do what I say because I'm the authority in the situation. That's a guy who doesn't need to be a cop.
2: Well... He was doing what he was told. Yes. He had his arms up.
1: Just like Philando Castile.
2: He wasn't moving, and he was trying to tell the boy that he is a therapist for to also stop stop moving, don't move, sit still. And he, he said all the things that he needed to say, and still, he was shot. Yeah. So I, this whole you-need-to-respect-authority thing okay, well, when they do respect authority, they still get shot, so what do they need to do to correct their behavior now? Please give us more suggestions for what the people that are being shot need to do to correct their behavior. Well,
1: I, I don't know if you know, but I figured it out, Brittany Page. Okay. He needs to be less black.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Because if he wasn't black, all evidence points to the, case, the, 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 the probability that this would not have happened. All he has to do, possess less melanin. Goddamn.
2: There's a quote in this article that says, if police departments come out more and admit fault, that would probably go a long way. Ah,
1: that is true. I believe that, yeah. And
2: uh, yeah, I think it's true. I think that if they were to come out and say, listen, (laughs) have this dude talk and say I shot him because of whatever I mean let's hear it let's hear from this guy not
1: just have this the blue wall of silence yeah where we're gonna stand up for him no matter what we're going to st- we're a brotherhood yeah you know what even family when s- someone does something bad you can admit yeah look he's my brother he-, he fucked up in this case I still love him I still support him but he he made a mistake Th- mm-hmm. that that n- almost never happens within the ranks of police departments. Well, speaking of seemingly egregious activity that is not going punished, the highest ranking cop in the Baltimore killing, the arrest and subsequent death of Freddie Gray has been found not guilty.
5: Yeah, this is the third officer who has been acquitted of all charges in connection to the death of Freddie Gray, Lieutenant Brian Rice. He was the highest ranking uh, officer on the scene that day that Mr. Gray was arrested, uh, was injured in that van, and then uh, later died uh, from his injuries. Uh, He was charged with several things, but was found not guilty on involuntary manslaughter, reckless endangerment, and misconduct in office charges. The uh, prosecution had earlier dropped one of the misconduct in office charges, and um, the judge had dismissed a, a charge of, of uh, involuntary manslaughter against uh, Officer uh, Brian Rice. Uh, two, many, uh, two other officers will face a trial in the, in the
1: days ahead, and then uh, Officer William Porter will face retrial. So what's it take? And I'm not even going to make a statement here as to the validity of the arrest of Freddie Gray. What do we know? He was alive when he was arrested and was dead by the time he got to the police station. And no one's at fault. His neck did not spontaneously break. So... What's it going to take for clear negligence and criminal behavior to be dealt with appropriately, especially in the case of a dead, unarmed black man? Troubling times. Well, just the other night on CNN, Don Lemon. The man with whom I have a love-hate relationship. <laughs> Don Lemon hosted the Milwaukee County Sheriff. He's the, the the man who spoke. He's got the big, heavy goatee black guy. He was on... He spoke at the Republican National Convention this week in Cleveland. He holds... Very conservative views. He's kind of like the black Joe Arpaio. They started discussing police issues. And the Milwaukee cops started getting a little fired up and was talking over Don Lemon the entire time. Don Lemon cut to commercial so they could settle things down. And then they they came back from commercial to talk about it.
2: Well, this guy's always pissed off. Y- yes. I've never seen him not pissed off. Right. So, the whole interview was contentious cuz he's so angry. He has this fire inside. Yeah. Right. And so they come fa- they come back from break where he, you know, I'm assuming had a chance to relax.
1: Well, it's a great demeanor to have when dealing with the public. <laughs> <laughs> is to be angry yeah. and pissed off about all the troubles that the that you know the black kids and the black men are causing me all the time. I have to go on TV and explain. Yeah, come on. Anyway, they came back from break and the argument continued.
5: I don't disagree with you about there is a narrative across the country that could be harming uh police officers, but we don't know right now. As someone who's in law enforcement, if that was the actual cause of it,
3: go ahead. Let me ask you this: Do we know that that generally the American law enforcement officers are racist? Do we know this?
5: Go on. I ask a question. That, is that? A, is that a, do I know American general law enforcement are racist? Yeah. I don't think anyone is accusing. If you're, if you're insinuating that people are accusing or saying that law enforcement across this country as a whole are racist, then your assumption is wrong.
3: First I, of all, this whole anti-police rhetoric is based on a lie. There is no data, and you know this. There is no data. There is no research that proves any of that nonsense. None.
5: Even it, you'd have to be more specific about what data and what nonsense you're talking about.
3: That law enforcement officers treat black males different than white males in policing in these urban there centers. There is data that's there is not data.
5: The, the, the president, the president spoke about it. Cedric Alexander, the who is the president has enforcement been officer. lying
3: about it. He said it again the other day when he said black males are. Two times more likely to be shot by a law enforcement officer than white male. Don, that is a lie. That is not a lie. It a is a re- lie. Yeah. Show the me
5: research. Show that, me the research Show that it we have then. that we have from the Washington Post. That that the Washington Post debunked that re- nonsense. also research. He also said Sheriff, this. Don, there's also research. He continues, from a Harvard professor that also showed
3: that black people are treated more aggressively by police officers. No, you are than wrong people. in your interpretation of that Harvard study because I read the study. That's not what he said. He that said he was surprised to find he was surprised that there
5: to find that in shootings of the of the most severe in shootings that he found no evidence that there was a difference also it should be noted that that study was a very small sampling of police departments across the country many people did not find it credible but it is also interesting that in that research he found that blacks were treated differently when it came to aggressive policing but for the most egregious shootings he found no difference that's what that study showed.
3: well based on what just generally Are we talking about high crime areas? Are we talking about police police officers being under attack? Because let's go back to where this whole thing started in Ferguson, Missouri.
1: So what he does there is he pivots. He tries to obfuscate and change the subject or muddle it with different information, a different topic altogether. Mm -hmm. And that study he's talking about from this Harvard professor, one very small sample size of police departments, but also it's not peer reviewed. He just put this house on his own yet. It has not been reviewed by his colleagues. So it hasn't gone through the vetting. Enough vetting at all for us to be really talking about it, whether it's accurate or inaccurate. So come on.
2: As you said, he spoke at the Republican National Convention, and he was even angry during that speech. (laughs) So... (laughs) Listening to their back and forth was pretty unhelpful, I think. There was really no point to their conversation. Um, And I really hate it when this kind of thing happens on TV. Because I want to see an interaction where I actually come away having learned something. Or find it beneficial in some way.
1: It's unfortunate that even this Milwaukee County Sheriff, it's a major county in the United States, It's unfortunate that he tries to drag out this trope and this argument that's not being put out there. No one's saying that all cops are racist. This is what happened on Twitter last night. Are you saying all cops are racist? No, I'm not saying most cops. Obviously, some probably are racist. But what I'm saying is they're humans. And they go about their day with their human lives and their human baggage And they have bias like anybody else. Fuck, I have bias. Me having bias doesn't mean I'm racist. It just means I have bias. I've lived a life and I've seen certain things. And it colors the way that I kind of interpret the world. But it it takes me to cognitively make sense of it all. If I'm walking down the street and I see some black kids and I think, oh, shit, I better gear up for you know, making sure that I'm going to be okay, even if that happens just unconsciously, I can think with my higher brain that, oh, that's irrational. So bias does not equal racism. And for that cop to make that argument is disingenuous. So the other thing that recently happened was Tim Scott, Senator Tim Scott, black, Republican, United States Senator for the state of South Carolina, He took to the Senate floor and gave a speech about his own dealings with police while a U.S. Senator, and it seems as though things aren't
6: even great for him. In the course of one year, I've been stopped seven times by law enforcement officers. Not four, not five, not six, but seven times in one year as an elected official. I have felt the anger, the frustration, the sadness, and the humiliation that comes with feeling like you're being targeted for nothing more than being just yourself. I recall walking into an office building just last year after being here for five years on the capitol and the officer looked at me with a little attitude and said the pen I know you I don't show me your ID I'll tell you I was thinking to myself either he thinks I'm committing a crime impersonating a member of congress or or what well i'll tell you that later that evening i received a phone call from a supervisor apologizing for the behavior Uh, mr president that is at least the third phone call that i've received from a supervisor or the chief of police since i've been in the senate so while i thank god I have not endured bodily harm. I have, however, felt the pressure applied by the scales of justice when they are slanted. Today, however, I simply ask you this. Recognize that just because you do not feel the pain, the anguish of another does not mean it does not exist.
2: So I think that last line was very powerful, and it reminds me of uh, Leslie Jones was on The View. I didn't watch The View. I just saw the clip. (laughs) And Leslie Jones
1: from Saturday Night Live, and she's starring in Ghostbusters.
2: Right. And she was talking to Whoopi Goldberg and said, you know, when I was little and I saw you on TV... I just couldn't believe it. I was overcome with emotion because someone who looked like me was on TV. And so when he says at the end there that, you know, if you don't understand the pain, if you don't understand this, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. And I think similar with the Leslie Jones thing that some people just don't get it. They don't understand that. Mentality that someone was excited because someone like them was finally on TV, right? They're just so used to being represented everywhere they go that they never have to think that anything else is going on. But now you're faced with all these stories one after the other after the other that is hopefully forcing some people to understand life is very different for other people than it is for me. And I need to understand that. I need to accept that, and I need to do something to help.
1: Yes. Because in the absence of action is inaction. And inaction is as good as approval. You may as well be helping by doing nothing. Also recently, Bill Maher, a man for whom I don't have much love, had a conversation with Stephen Colbert on The Late Show, and they
7: talked about police culture
1: and how Bill Maher sees the
7: problem. So obviously, anytime anybody shoots a policeman, you know, it's just it's just abhorrent, and you know, there's no and ifs or buts about it. So I don't condone it, but I understand it. I mean, you can only look at so many videos of shooting unarmed black people. I'm surprised it actually didn't happen before. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Kennedy
3: said, you know, famously that those who make peaceful revolution impossible make violent revolution inevitable. Right. And yeah. the Black Lives Matter movement um, is trying to raise awareness of the fact that this has been going on for a long time, and it, it yeah. comes, it comes, it's paid attention to, and then it passes.
7: This goes back to, well, certainly before, but on tape, Rodney King. Mm-hmm. Rodney King was what, 1991, 92, something like that? Mm-hmm. I mean, we all looked at that tape and we thought, oh, how can these cops get away with this? You know, I mean, no matter what Rodney King did, lead them on a the chase, they got him on the ground and the six guys just wailing on him with the baton and somehow he gets off. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's something wrong here that has to be addressed. So obviously, violence is wrong on both sides. Um, but, you know, I've been talking about police culture in this country for a long time. Like I say, we all need the police. I think we respect them, but there is something wrong with police culture, and I don't think most policemen are bad people at all. And I don't think most policemen would do the things we see on tape, but there is that thin blue line mentality where they protect their own, uh, and I think that think I think that now? has to change. Do you think it's worse than it used to be, or do you think, think, it, think that I, we just I, get I, to I see think, some of the abuses of authority now? Well, that's true too. We see it more, but I don't think I certainly don't think it's any better. I think we just see it. And I think the, the police, kind of like the priesthood, they attract the wrong kind of people sometimes. <laughs>
1: Unfortunately, that's true. But what he says there is correct. And this is a large part of, of my the consternation that I feel toward the police community is that when you have a bad apple... Don't stand up and defend the bad apple. You get get rid of the fucking bad apple. If you have someone who is besmirching the good, noble reputation and occupation that you're dedicating your life to, you stand up and get them the fuck out of there because they're not doing anyone a service. They're not doing you a service by being your brother, your sister in arms. And they're certainly not doing their community a service and the citizens for whom they are there to protect and serve. And they are not doing the country a service. All right. Well, let's move on. There is new information in the Roger Ailes v. Gretchen Carlson case It appears as though Megan Kelly has come out in support of Gretchen Carlson and spoken out in some ways, verifying the claims of Gretchen Carlson against Roger Ailes.
2: So Megan Kelly went to the law firm that is representing Gretchen Carlson Yeah, and said that she also... Was a victim of harassment about a decade ago when she first started working for Fox as a young contributor. And
1: harassment at the hands of Roger Ailes?
2: Yes. Yes. And as a result of this, Fox has given Roger Ailes a deadline of August 1st to be resigned or fired.
1: So we will be on vacation when the deadline rolls. <laughs>
2: Well, something that's interesting about this is uh, Glenn Beck actually posted a status about this, and he was very, very supportive of Megyn Kelly and had some negative things to say about Roger Ailes.
1: Not totally surprising because uh, there's no love lost between those two.
2: He said, who would have guessed it would be Megyn Kelly that would slay the dragon in the end? Because she is as smart as she is, she was able to build her own brand big enough to not be ruled by fear. Good for her for not running for or to cover. And he goes on to talk about how powerful Roger Ailes is as a man. Oh, yeah. And how intimidating he is as a man, and he goes on to say, Gretchen Carlson should be commended for having the courage to stand. I don't think people understand the power that Roger Ailes has. Now, I've seen some people criticize Megyn Kelly and say, you know, she's always praised Roger Ailes, and all of a sudden she's coming out and saying, oh, he sexually harassed me. But isn't this the time when it counts, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Like Glenn Beck said, she built her brand big enough to where she doesn't have to play games anymore. Yeah. She can come forward and say, yeah, I'm going to support Gretchen while all my colleagues at Fox News, Bill O'Reilly, everybody else is defending their boss, Roger Ailes. I'm no longer in a position where I have to do that.
1: Right. Well, th- everyone else there, they're they're putting their tails between their legs and acting like subservient animals. It's disgusting. And this is in the face of you know what I've said in the past that. I have to force myself to get behind Gretchen Carlson because I don't like her. But it's the right thing to do. It is the right thing to do.
3: Support for I Doubt It with Dolomore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward. One podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dolomore.
1: Or dolomore.com slash Patreon. We would love to have you join us, partner with us to move the conversation forward. Uh, big things are happening, good things are happening, and we'd love to have you with us. Democracy 2016 facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So it looks as though John Kasich is back in the news and not just for not attending the Republican National Convention in Cleveland, a major city in the state he's governor of. It appears as though Donald Trump wanted, oh my God it is seriously maybe the biggest bombshell news okay,
2: it's so good. it's so good
1: why don't you you say it because I'm just so excited okay, yeah, yeah seriously yeah, it's a little it, it, there's it's moving a little <laughs> bit of movement <laughs> in my pants okay, I'm getting
8: real excited okay okay
2: okay so oh okay uh. okay okay. <laughs> Now, the New York Times broke this story. According to an unnamed Kasich advisor, they spoke to the New York Times. They say... Hang
1: on. And it's not boner talk. New York <laughs> Times. This isn't the National Enquirer or Daily Beast, which is reputable. This is the New York Times. They check. They double check. They are a, 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 a reputable journalistic organization okay. if there if there is any
2: okay so according to this unnamed Kasich advisor trump's son donald trump jr reached out to him with a proposal and he said did Kasich want to serve as vice president more specifically did he want to be quote unquote the most powerful vice president ever Donald Trump Jr. reportedly explained that his father's vice president would be put in charge of foreign and domestic policy.
1: Essentially being the president.
2: The Kasich advisor then asked what Donald Trump Sr. himself would be in charge of if that was the case. Donald Trump Jr.'s reply, making America great again, according uh, to the New York Times.
1: Goddamn. Yeah. you. Th- this is unbelievable. That he, Donald Trump, is willing to upend our entire political process to destroy a historical political party in this country so he can play president.
2: Now, listen, this isn't the first time that this has been suggested about Donald Trump, right? That he doesn't really want the job, essentially. In May, in a Huffington Post interview, Paul Manafort, now the Trump campaign manager, explained what Donald Trump was looking for in a running mate. Quote, he needs an experienced person to do the part of the job he doesn't want to do. He seems himself more as the chairman of the board, then even the CEO, (laughs) let alone the COO. Wow. Yeah.
1: This, I really hope that, that the lead doesn't get buried by all of the shenanigans that are going on throughout the Republican National Convention right now. This is big news. I hope this covers. I hope this carries.
2: Well, so apparently Mike Pence was real excited about being the most powerful vice president in history. Uh, so is Mike Pence going to be handling all the domestic and foreign policy?
1: Yeah, he seems up to the task. Yeah. A wildly unpopular governor, both nationally and within his own state. Ugh. Well, we will follow up on this. Don't you worry yourself. The other thing that happened prior to the convention is Donald Trump sat down with Mike Pence for a 60 Minutes interview.
2: And boy, was it good.
1: Man, it was really kind of what you would expect. But every time something like this goes on, especially when it's a new element because there's a dude sitting next to him, and ooh, how's this going to work out? Well, it really does go. It kind of adds to what we've been talking about. Donald Trump, he doesn't have principle he doesn't have the best interest of the country in mind. All he is in this for is the reality show of it. When asked about the Iraq war vote, with which he now says he disagrees, even though he did agree with it before now that he doesn't agree with it. Huh? Yeah. (laughs) Mike Pence, his running mate, his vice presidential running mate, voted for the iraq war that was a war by the way that was a war
9: that we shouldn't have because iraq did not knock down your running me. mate iraq did voted not voted for down. it i don't care what do you mean you don't care that he voted? It's a long time ago, and he voted that way, and it, they were also misled. A lot of information was given to people, on this, but what? I was against the war in Iraq from the beginning. Yeah, but you've used that vote that of Hillary's that was the same as Miss Governor's hands. Right. Many people as, uh, the example of her bad
4: judgment. You've many people have, then. and
9: frankly, I'm one of the few that was right on Iraq. Yeah, but what about he? Dave?
1: He's entitled to make a mistake every once in a while. But she's not. Okay, come <laughs> but on. She's he, not. She's not. No. He's entitled to have made a mistake. For him, ah, it's just a mistake. He's not running to be your assistant or your dog catcher, Donald Trump. He's going to be the vice president of the United States. First in line when you get too much orange makeup in your eyes and you go into a coma, he's there. He's going to be the president.
2: Well, this is something that bothered me about this interview, which is Leslie Stahl was laughing And then Donald Trump kind of got to giggle and Mike Pence got to giggle and they're all kind of uncomfortably giggling because they all know how ridiculous the thing that's being said is.
1: Right. And then they just move on.
2: And her laughing kind of gives them an out. Yeah. It allows the uncomfortable mood to be lifted just enough to where Donald Trump doesn't feel like he needs to explain the hypocrisy in his statement.
1: Right. She gave them cover. Rather yeah, than it, holding their feet to the fire,
2: right, and I understand that she probably thought this is just so ridiculous. I can't even handle this right now, <laughs> right. But you need to be able to handle it and yes. make it uncomfortable for him and and put him in a position where he needs to defend his hypocrisy
1: absolutely.
2: He can't just sit there and say, "Yeah, yeah, she can't make a mistake, but he can. ha. <laughs> no. What are you saying? What are you talking about? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense.
1: We would love to know what you think about this. Give us a call, 657-464-7609. There you can leave a fewer than three-minute voicemail, or you can email us a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Well, the Republican National Convention has kicked off. There have been many speakers, and although this is out of order chronologically... The first thing we're going to talk about is the Melania Trump plagiarism speech where several, several words, many sentences, two full paragraphs were taken virtually word for word from a 2008 Michelle Obama speech. The other thing is the fact that she claims, or claimed, now the story has changed, but she said with her mouth to Matt Lauer that she wrote the speech herself with as little help as possible. Has she gone over the speech with you? Did you practice it on the plane?
10: I read that once over it, and that's all, because I wrote it and uh, with a little help as possible, so...
1: So she claims, as I just said, with her own mouth to have written it herself with as little help as possible. Well, now it appears as though that's a lie, that she lied about that. So she's no different than Donald Trump. She's a liar, if that is not true. Because now they're claiming there's a woman named Meredith McIver who wrote the speech for her and has come out and on Trump letterhead apologized for lifting those particular paragraphs from the speech. The problem is not not everybody's really sure whether this Meredith McIver actually exists or if it's another John Barron. Situation.
2: Right. Well, she handed in her resignation. That's what she did. And it was apparently rejected by the Trump campaign because no apologies. In in fact, anytime any kind of accusation of an apology is made toward Donald Trump, he laughs. Okay. No apologies from the Trumps. And so he's not apologizing about this situation. Rejected the resignation letter well, you're from assu- this possibly fake person. Yeah,
1: you're assuming that she really even exists. I, I don't I don't know. I know that there were social media accounts created. Social networking uh, accounts created just hours after this happened with pictures and photos added to try to make it look like a real profile. Uh, so I don't know. We will soon find out, because the media, thankfully, isn't letting go of this issue with the the plagiarism. Because remember...
10: Because I wrote it, and uh, with a little help, as possible.
2: So the Washingtonian ran the transcripts of the speech through something like Turnitin.com, basically.
1: Yeah, which is an academic tool that... Professors and people use to plug papers in to see if they're plagiarized.
2: Yes. And the first half came in at 46% non-unique, while the next few sentences registered at 44% non-unique, which is very, very high.
1: (laughs) it's going to it's going to cause a a a sit down meeting between a professor and a student. of, so, hey, we got a problem here.
2: According to this publication, citing the plagiarism checker turnitin.com, the likelihood that a 16 word match is just a coincidence is less than 1 in a trillion. Melania Trump's longest match, 23 words.
1: We're not we don't just mean 23 words out of a paragraph or 16 words randomly out of a paragraph we mean 16 words exact in succession four score and seven years ago our fathers said all the way in a row 16 words the chances of that happening are 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 about one in one trillion and she has a 23 word match god damn come on come on And for this this Trump camp and these idiots at the RNC right now who are defending this, like, oh, no, it's not really plagiarism. Come on. It's obviously plagiarized. Here is a comparison of sentence to sentence, phrase structure to phrase structure of the 2008 speech and Melania Trump's.
8: Rock and I were raised with so many of the same values. Like, you work hard for what you want in life. That your word is your bond, that you do what you say you're gonna do.
10: My parents impressed on me the values that you work hard for what you want in life. That your word is your bond, and you do what you say and keep your promise.
8: That you treat people with Dignity and respect even if you don't know them and even if you don't agree with them That you
10: treat people with respect They thought and showed me values and morals in their daily life That is a lesson that I continue to pass along to our son and we need to pass those lessons on to the many generations to follow
8: And Barack and I set out to build lives guided by these values and to pass them on to the next generation because we want our children and all children in this nation to know that the only limit to the height of your achievements is the reach of your dreams and your willingness to work hard for them. Because.
10: Because we want our children in this nation to know that the only limit to your achievements is the strength of your dreams and your willingness to work for them.
1: You know what I notice about that, the difference between those two? And Melania was starting to get a little bit at the end there. But it's, it's, there's an applause disparity between Melania Trump's speech, where she's just talking and then the clip ends and then they have to like buffer M- Michelle Obama's with there's a bunch of applause going on and she has to have an applause break. I I just noticed that just now.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good observation.
1: But clearly they are it's word for word. In a couple places they changed a couple words, but it's the same goddamn thing and for them to deny is just ludicrous. Well, earlier in the in the convention Scott Bayo uh Charles in charge Charles in charge of our days
9: and our nights Charles
8: in charge
1: of our wrongs Charles in charge came out and he gave a rousing sarcasm, rousing speech Explaining what it means to be an American. Oh, great. And, uh, you know, it's awesome to try to, when you take advice from someone who's been a millionaire since they were a teenager because they're an actor.
2: Oh, if, if he wants to let us all know that hard work is
1: included in that, I oh, mean, I, I yep. really
2: would like some tips.
1: That, I almost assuredly, is in there. Okay.
9: America. The greatest country God ever created.
1: God created America.
9: Now, America is an easy place to get to. Mm. But for you, first time voters, it's important for you to know what it means to be an American. It doesn't mean getting free stuff.
1: bunch of hateful fucks in that room
9: it means sacrificing winning (laughs) losing failing (laughs) succeeding and sometimes doing the things you don't want to do including the hard work in order to get where you want to be and that's what it means to be an american
1: thanks millionaire actor
2: is he really a millionaire?
1: yeah I, I I looked up on celebrity net worth and it's six or seven million okay which seems a little low for a guy who's been in show business as long as he has
2: yeah I wonder I had the thought when everybody started clapping for the statement he made about free stuff yeah yeah how many of those people have ever been on government assistance? right. I just would wonder, uh, like, if they could do an informal poll on the ground there. Sure. Uh, and see how many people have ever been on government assistance. Or
1: unemployment. hmm Or any social program whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Ever gotten a, a government-guaranteed loan? A government-guaranteed mortgage? Come on. Well, his speech continued, and it got weirder and weirder.
9: But folks, our country right now is in a is in a very bad spot. you can feel it and you can see it everywhere
2: I don't feel it or see it
9: there's no stability <laughs> nothing seems right
1: nothing seems right everybody
9: and all the things that we hold dear are being attacked every single day
1: every one of them
9: we cannot go down this road anymore we need to stop we need Donald Trump to fix this <laughs> Is Donald Trump a messiah? No. Nope. He's just a man. (laughs) A man who wants to give back to his country. Oh, dear
11: God.
1: Wow. Is Donald Trump a messiah? I I didn't know that it was being questioned whether or not Donald Trump was a messiah. The three marriages and multiple affairs having Donald Trump, I didn't know he was being touted as a religious savior figure.
2: Well, if you're watching the Republican National Convention, you might be confusing real life for the Hunger Games because they're painting this picture of the world as
1: though... Some dystopian future. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
2: it's... What is going on with all the fear? And it's almost (laughs) like the end of the world. Like, they're expecting everything to come crashing down any moment.
1: Well, the next day, Charles in charge... Scott Baio, he went on MSNBC of all networks to go on. Maybe that was the only one that invited him on to give him some FaceTime.
2: This is the greatest thing you'll hear all day.
1: And Tamra Hall peppered him with questions, kind of weaving a very artful path to really where she wanted to get. We'll start with him kind of describing where he wrote his speech and she gave him all the rope he needed to hang himself. I was asked to do this Thursday. I wrote
9: my speech in church on Sunday morning, and then, uh, and then I delivered it on Monday.
11: Yeah. Part of your speech that got a lot of attention was the, the final line there where you said, make America America again. Explain what you meant by that.
9: Make America America again just means what, what this country was founded on, which is hard work. Uh, perseverance, individualism, go, not looking to government for everything, uh, getting off the dole, uh, getting back to faith, getting back to the things that we were founded on. We've, we've gone so far off the rails. We've
1: got to get back to faith, Brittany. It, it is Jesse Dollimore. It is me who is dragging this country down because I do not live a life of faith, presumably in Jesus like Scott Bayo. Well, Tamara Hall led him down this path and then pounced like a lioness on her prey.
11: Let's talk about your speech. I know you said you went to church and you've talked about your religion. One of the things that caught my eye was this tweet that you sent out July 10th, a photo of Hillary Clinton standing in front of the word COUNT. Mm-hmm. Uh, the O is blocking, so it appears that she is standing in front of the C word. Right. Did you think about that in church when just you tweeted offered, it out? That's just offered up without commentary. I just That was just put yeah, up. Yeah, but there you, know a meme. What it, you know what it meant when you tweeted I just put it, put out. it up there. I if guess could, I'm asking, you know, you're writing your speech in church. You talk about religion coming, about, coming back to this country and us right. having a moral barometer. Where was your moral compass when you put a photo of a woman that you disagree with politically, and that's right. fine. But would Tam, you say that? Tammy, you can look at it any
9: way you want. I, it's it's the word yeah. count. That's what she's standing in front of. I just put it up yeah. there. It's, okay. uh, there's no commentary attached yeah. to it. I didn't call her anything. And the fact that you question my, my
11: faith no, by no, saying I'm, I'm putting up a you, picture yeah. is I'm just not asking, nice. Qu- well, you question others' faith. Well, We're when you question that we when you say, we need to bring back religion implying that somehow the moral compass for people that you don't even know is changed, but let me throw this out to you, yeah. um, 2010, you tweeted out an unflattering image of Michelle Obama mm-hmm. with the caption, wow, he wakes up to this every morning, right.
8: last oh. night, oh. last oh. night, I, <laughs> well clearly some people agree with you, um,
11: but last. Night, I went on social media to see what you were saying about your speech, and I realized that you blocked me. Why do you block me from social media? I'm just curious. That might have been yeah. a mistake. Oh, okay. I, I wouldn't have blocked you. That oh, okay. might have been a mistake. Well, it's okay if you do, but I was wondering if no, it was no. because I, of the mistake. It was Obama a mistake. No, no, no. Tweet. Absolutely not. Okay. I'm not afraid of anybody. All right.
2: So we need to see more of this.
1: <laughs> absolutely. Making him answer, making him uncomfortable. Making him squirm.
2: This is the kind of interview that we should be seeing all the time. On
1: every network.
2: This is holding people accountable. And I would have liked to have seen her go further and saying, listen, the people who are watching at home are not stupid. And when you're sitting here saying, listen, oh, she's just standing in front of the word count. I don't know what it means. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Exactly. No, you are not going to treat everybody like we're stupid. We know what it means. You know what it means. You did it. Now just own up to it. Why'd you do it if you're if you don't want to own up to it?
1: All I had to say, well, I, I, you know, I have a crass sense of humor. I thought it was funny.
2: Yeah, no, but I didn't it, write that in church.
1: It, I'm. It's yeah, right. That's the that's the real answer. Is oh yeah, I really didn't write that in church because I'm, uh, uh, you know, and if I did, then I'm, uh, you know, a blasphemous tool. Come on.
2: But I mean, it's Scott Baio. What do you expect? <laughs> Scott
1: Baio. <laughs> Well, it's this religious narrative that's being dragged out constantly. It's just weird coming from unassuming characters like Charles in Charge. You expect it from people like Michelle Bachman, the former congresswoman from Minnesota, who said this week that God may have lifted up Trump. God. God may have chosen Trump to run against Hillary Clinton.
8: Take a look at Iran. Iran the number one state sponsor of terror in the world, couldn't have asked for more from the United States than what they've gotten. Barack Obama has advanced Iran's jihadist dreams to annihilate Israel, the United States, and Western Christendom. How about that for fundamental transformation? That's why I'm just saying the church can't sit this one out. We may not have a perfect candidate, but he may be the one, like the book of Daniel, That the Most High God may have lifted up Trump because very possibly he's the only one who could defeat Hillary Clinton this fall. And if that's the case, it's good enough for me.
1: One, number one, the word former Congresswoman Bachman is united. It's the United States. It is not united. United States. It's not the United States. It's united. United States. And secondly, the Most High God did not raise up Donald Trump to run against Hillary Clinton, you clown. This isn't the most problematic aspect of this Republican National Convention, though, or the candidacy and ultimate nomination for the Republicans of Donald Trump. There is a very nefarious group of white nationalists, of racists who are gaining power and making the Republican Party even whiter and even more hateful than you may have thought, as told by this story from Vice.
4: Let's make America great again. Thank you so much toward the end of this Citizens for Trump rally, anti-Trump protesters showed up.
8: Smash the system! Smash the state, was never great! This scum, your day will come!
4: This scum, your day will come. This scum, your day will
8: come!
4: This is Matt Heimbach, a leader in the white nationalist movement.
0: We're nationalists. We have no time for leftist scum who wants to destroy our nation, destroy our people, hurt our law enforcement, and fight against our families.
4: We sat down with him after this protest to understand how much pull his party has at the Republican convention. Do you guys have any delegates here? You would be surprised
0: how many people who are delegates and are part of state delegations who support our message and may or may not be active supporters of our party.
4: I'm not asking you to identify anyone, but can you give us a rough idea of how many delegates are supporting you?
0: I'll be totally honest, it's only a few. I think the fact that we have a few voices that are inside the convention hall standing up with people like us shows how things are swinging. You know, the pendulum is moving in our direction. You see within the Republican Party, the idea of advocating for white working class and middle class family interests is on the rise.
4: Have you guys had any delegates who have been outed and as a result, perished?
0: Well, Bill Johnson, uh, an attorney from California, is a friend of mine. Uh, Bill's a really great guy. Uh, He actually is the chairman of the American Freedom Party. Uh, And he was outed, of course, uh, for being uh, a Trump delegate and a white nationalist. He's been a white nationalist for many, many years. And uh, because of that, he was uh, stripped of being a delegate. And of course, he was attacked. People were calling and threatening his business, threatening to kill his family and his children, uh, threatening to bomb his office, and all these horrible things. And that's why we feel we need to have a true nationalist party where we can have a pincer attack, where people will work within the Republican Party to be able to promote nationalist values. But at the same time, we're going to be fighting on the streets as open white nationalists to be able to say that we are the political alternative to Republicans and uh, to be able to win people's hearts and minds and their trusts.
4: Have you been in touch with the Trump campaign?
0: I've not been in touch with the Trump campaign. I want to be able to allow them to do what they're already doing. They're already winning, um, you know, and again, we're not endorsing Trump. Uh, We do like, again, the ideas that he's introducing, but he's not one of us.
4: You must have some sort of backdoor contact there.
0: I think that would be one of those can either confirm nor deny.
4: It almost seems like you don't want to admit that you're in contact with the Trump campaign because you know it's not good for the Trump campaign.
0: We have our own campaigns to worry about. The people realize what the problem is, and the people are looking for real solutions. And if a Republican establishment continues to stand in their way, they're going to go to a different party, or they're just going to uh, crash the plane with no survivors, <laughs> essentially. <laughs>
2: So in addition to this, this isn't the only white nationalist theme intertwined with the Republican National Convention.
1: Yeah, it's certainly not just a one-off group. There are many.
2: Right. Um, the RNC actually featured a tweet um, going across the screen in the convention center.
1: Right, because in the convention center, it's like a, an arena where where it's the, the quest The the Quicken Loans Arena, where sporting events take place. And there's a crawler, a digital crawler across, that they can have messages go all the way around. And they were featuring messages. And one of the messages was from a completely separate racist white nationalist group. I know I just stepped on your story.
2: (laughs) Right. VDARE.com. And the whole purpose of VDARE Foundation is to... Preserve America as a white nation.
1: So, a message from this organization was featured by the Republican National Committee during the Republican National Convention to the tens of thousands. Of attendees.
2: And the tweet said, Rep Chris Collins has the crowd fired up against illegal immigration and for real Donald Trump. So it wasn't necessarily a racist tweet, but the thing is, it was from this organization's account. They're
1: giving space to this organization.
2: And they are defined as an extremist group by the Southern Poverty Law Center, a white nationalist group. Their goal is to create a white nation, preserve, quote-unquote, America as a white nation.
1: Against white genocide, which is white people marrying people of color and having mixed-race babies. That is a genocide of the white race, they believe.
2: And so this organization's tweet was dancing around the crawler in the convention center. Not good.
1: Well, legitimizing the organization. Yeah. The other thing that happened tonight... Tell me this is a coincidence when Donald Trump has people like William Johnson doing robocalls for him across the country, who was named a delegate. He's a white nationalist, was named a delegate. And then when the press caught wind of it, they had to release him as a delegate. That Laura Ingram gives a speech tonight, and at the end of her speech, She looks over to Trump and the family and gives a fucking Hitler salute. Now, people are saying, oh, well, she just needed to bend her arm more. So it's just a coincidence that with all of the controversy swirling around Donald Trump and his loose affiliation with hate-based racist groups, that she's going to do a Hitler salute. Seems a little little coincidental to me.
2: I mean... I don't want to get super conspiratorial, but you almost start to wonder what the hell is going on. here. Right. Well, when you have because it's almost overt at this point.
1: Absolutely. Well, listen, this is one piece of circumstantial evidence. Ah, that could just be a coincidence. When you have like 50 pieces of circumstantial coincidences, it makes a person start to wonder. It's not all these offshoot, obvious, radical groups, though. Steve King, who is an evangelical Christian congressman from Iowa, supporter of Donald Trump, he was on, again, MSNBC, and said, listen, this is a respected member of Congress by some, a legitimate, Congressman, he sits on major committees, and he said one of the most racist, abhorrent things that I've ever heard from a sitting member of Congress.
0: In terms of people missing, you have Susana Martinez, a popular governor of New Mexico. You have Mia Love, who has been seen as a rising star, an African-American woman from Utah, Congresswoman. She's actually got a very tough race of course, there's also Marco Rubio, who is a former future uh, star of the party. He'll, he'll be beaming in He'll tonight. be beaming in. I mean, what do you — what does this say about the identity crisis the party has right now? Well, if you're really optimistic, you can say, this is the last time that old white people will command the Republican Party attention, it's platform, it's public face. Of course, I thought that was going to happen after 2012, and I was, thanks to the good work of Congressman I King, I was severely around.
8: disappointed. I think but,
0: they'll still be around, though. <laughs> I think they'll be around, but I'll tell you what. In that hall today, that hall is wired. That hall is wired by loud, unhappy, dissatisfied white people. <laughs> very white and that very white crowd. Any, any sign of rebellion is going to get shouted down or. or shout it down either kindly or roughly, but that's what's going to happen. This whole white people business, though, does get a little tired,
1: Charlie.
9: You go back through history and figure out where are these contributions that have been made by these other categories of people that you're talking about? If that what where did any other subgroup of people contribute more to civilization? Than white people? Than then Western civilization itself that's rooted in Western Europe, Eastern Europe, and the United States of America, and every place where the footprint of Christianity settled the world. That's all of Western
8: civilization.
0: Let me know for the record that if you're looking at the ledger of Western civilization, yes. uh, for every uh, flourishing democracy, you have uh, you know you got Hitler and Stalin and, uh, as well. So so well, there's there's the there's, way, a, way, there's, a,
1: there's a lot on both sides. On
2: so how long does this guy think the United States has been around?
1: Right. <laughs> Apparently thousands of years.
2: I mean, I'm I'm a little confused. I, I'm not sure he knows what's going on.
1: He's talking about the footprint of Christianity and that everywhere the footprint of Christianity was Jesus wasn't a Christian asshole. Jesus was a Jew from the Middle East. The other thing is that there are all kinds of other contributions, both scientific and cultural, from the Far East. They had their own thing going long before Western civilization in China. Algebra was invented by Muslims, by Arabs. There are all kinds, many more than I'm even aware of. White people aren't God's gift to the planet. Steve King, asshole congressman from Iowa. Pick up a history book or just stop being such a racist. That's a racist thing to say, is it not? All right. Well, listen, <laughs> got a little fired up there, went a little long there, and we're going to end it right here on that note well, with Steve King from Iowa.
2: I'm just going to end it on a quick note. Um, I kind of am stepping on your dick now.
1: I didn't say dick. I said on your story.
2: Okay. Um. So
1: trust me, we're sitting too far apart for you to be stepping on my dick. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Psychologist Steven Pinker wrote a book called The Better Angels of Our Nature. And he does interviews regularly talking about the disparity between actual statistics on the progress we've made versus the headlines you see in the media. Yes. And so I just wanted to read this little segment from one of his interviews. I looked at homicide, looked at war, looked at genocide, looked at terrorism. And in all cases, the long-term historical trend, though there are ups and downs and wiggles and spikes, is absolutely downward. The rate of violent crime in the United States has fallen by more than half in just a decade. The rate of death in war fell by a factor of 100 over the span of 25 years. So although we talk a lot about the negative aspects and the unfortunate things that are going on, We have to remember that things are getting better.
1: Absolutely. Things are getting better.
2: And even though you're definitely not getting this message, if you're watching the Republican National Convention, things are getting better. Things are improving for humanity in general.
1: But there's still work to be done. Of course. Yeah. All right. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for joining us twice a week or as often as you do. If you'd like to support the show other than listening, you can go to dollamore.com slash Amazon, dollamore.com slash Patreon, and dollamore.com slash PayPal. We would love, love to have you partner with us supporting the show financially to help us move the conversation forward. Thank you, and until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dolamore, and this has been I Doubt It.
2: I have one a Bruin right now. It's getting ready to take off. Don't you worry.